Welcome to the Bros on Books podcast, where you get to be the fly on the wall as three bros talk about their favorite life-changing books. Okay, Jess, so The Upside of Stress, that's what we're going to talk about today. It's a good book, Um, but tell me about what you do. Um, I'm actually, I have my master's in social work, and um, I have what's called an LCSW, which is a licensed um, clinical um, license, so I am in private practice. Um, I do psychotherapy for kids three years of age and up through adults. Um, My specialty is actually what's called trauma-based relational intervention, and I work with a lot of kids and families from hard places, um, trauma, neglect, foster care, adoption, um, and a lot of substance abuse. So it's kind of... Well, where were you when I was growing up? <laughs> probably growing dealing up. with all the same crap you were dealing with. <laughs> right. Oh, so that's kind of the, probably the reason you went into it, because you made it out alive, and then you wanted to experience the hero's journey, where you go back and help Oh, absolutely. I just, and I love people and, you know, we just, everybody's got their own issues and everybody needs help. So why not use my heart to do that? And get paid to do it if you can. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) I am doing something that I would not do that I would do without getting paid. So that makes life a little bit better sometimes. So you're living your best life is what you tell me. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, TJ can tell you my mind is a little bit warped and at times, but oh. working on it. Well, I'm sure you're just human like the rest of us. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So obviously that's probably going to be helpful for today's conversation. TJ, TJ and I grew up in a probably a crazy environment similar to yours. Um, and luckily I accidentally used what kelly talks about in the book you know just by mistake basically because somewhere along the line i developed an attitude that if i made it through what i made it through nothing can really shake me as an adult or like i even used it for for football because i would get hit like a big hit and i'm like damn my mom definitely beat me more than that (laughs) you know like mom beat the pain the pain sensors right out of me Oh no! So I've been. Did you deserve it? I mean, like, come on! Did she just beat you for no reason, or? (laughs) Well, I would like to say not for no reason, but there was occasionally the time for no reason. Gotcha. Right. Instead of like, uh, Mike, you shouldn't do that. It's like, uh, Mike, here's a hammer to the arm or something. Oh no! Yeah. So. Yeah, we frown upon that. Oh okay. Yeah. But so what it's not what, good. What about a toy bus to the face? Is yeah. that acceptable? Well, was that your brother or your mom? <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> definitely the mom. The brother. Oh yeah. No, we after. may have to have. We may need to set some individual sessions up after this. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yes, we are uh, very intense situations. Mm. So oh, I'm so but sorry. It's, but it's given us like a desire to help other people. You know, similar mm-hmm. to yourself. So. But one of my favorite authors is actually Kelly McGonigal, the author of The Upside of Stress, because she goes in, her first book, I think, was about willpower. Or no, actually, it was about chronic pain, but I never read that one. And mm-hmm. then she wrote one about willpower, and then she wrote one about stress. And now she actually has another book out about movement. Gotcha. So there's been a lot of um, 
everything she writes about, I'm interested in. So it's like one of my favorite authors. So have you guys watched her TED Talk? Yes, I did. I watched it yesterday, actually. Okay. And that was your first time? Yeah. What the? Man, you feel like being in your field, that stuff would just be fed to you with a spoon. Well, I mean, you know, when I did watch it, it did resonate with me in the way I practice. Um, as far as, you know, what I do with people with anxiety. Mm. Um, and if you think about it, anxiety and stress are pretty much the same. So it did make sense, you know, when I was, her, her thought process and her, um, the goal she has with how you see stress is actually something that we do um, to help people get through difficult situations. Right. Like a reframing process or behavioral cognitive therapy. Yeah. Cognitive behavioral change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's just like she put it into a a palatable for the general public, you know, so makes it easier to implement as like an average Joe Mm -hmm. compared to like people like you that have, you know, a ton of training in that area. And when you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's just reframing and, you know, it's catastrophizing, you know, like all these terms that you're familiar with. You can take you can take all that, put it into a book that just say, hey, there's an upside of stress. Right. But to be completely transparent, you know, I know all the things like I was telling TJ, like I have a master's degree and a post-clinical license, but my mind and my brain and my anxious thinking is no different than anybody else's. So it's something that I have to work on pretty much daily too. Um, and that comes from, you know, our history and, you know, trauma and exposures and things like that. But some of us are just chemically designed that way. And so it's very difficult for us to kind of overcome that. So thinking about changing the way you cognitively think or how you see situations is really important. But when you're in the situation, your mind drives you to think catastrophically. Right. So it's the, the energy it's the- you have to put in to change it is pretty significant. Right. It's a ton and it has to become habit or else the gap between the event and your thought process, if nothing, if your awareness in between those two things, you know, like the awareness of like, oh, I could reframe this. If there's no awareness between when you're in the event and when you're thinking, then you're toast because then you just become consumed within that, that moment of panic or whatever, because you don't realize that you can reframe it. Right. And one thing she did say that I found really thankful for was um, how she said in that moment, we need like connection with people. We need to be able to use it and reach out and say, I'm struggling or I'm, you know, having a hard time letting people know, because sometimes we need someone else to tell us this isn't what you're thinking, you know, think of it differently. This isn't how you're seeing the situation you're seeing is, um, is filled with error, you know? So I liked the fact that she built, brought in the connection to other people and the desire of us to be connected to help us get through those situations. Because a lot of times when we're left alone with our mind, we can tell ourselves that, but there's no pulling out of it unless we have someone there to remind us constantly, like, you're okay, think of this situation differently. Right. And that's that's what I love about today. And I think people take it for granted is that the technology the social platforms these are all the tools to connect with people mm-hmm. all over the place but when i was when i was growing up and going through my hardest days if you don't have anybody what do you do you know mm-hmm. and today you can at least at a minimum 
you can make part of your coping mechanism. You, the routine of the habit loop can be like, all right, I'm about to get depressed. Let me go talk to, or let me go listen to Grant Cardone to slap me out of it. You know, mm -hmm. like you have all these different things that when I was growing up, so I didn't have uh, siblings that I could talk to or parents and I didn't have a lot of friends, you know, and most of the time my cell phone was cut off because <laughs> I didn't pay hey, my Hey, I'm older than you. I didn't even have a cell phone, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so you didn't have these resources where like literally now, if you make it part of your routine to reach out to somebody, if even if you have a just, let's just say you have no friends, but you're in a social Facebook group, at least you can post in there and say, I'm going through this. Mm-hmm. Or you can join supportive groups, you know, or, or whatever. So I think maybe the younger generation will take those things for granted. Because when you're going through stuff, you know, everything is real to you, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't have any context to compare it to. So, like, being married helps, you know. Mm -hmm. um, being in a relationship helps. And having all these platforms helps. So Absolutely. being married has helped me a lot. You know, because you can just, you literally have someone that's like in it with you. Mm -hmm. You know, they can't understand exactly what you're going through, but they know, oh, Mike's in a dark space. Let me give him a little bit of space and I'll let him process it. And then I'll reach out to him and see if we can come together. Right. But when I was single and I didn't have a phone and I didn't have friends, and luckily I found a book because in some weird way, there's a mentor inside that book, you know, but we're very lucky today to be able to hop on a zoom call and be like, I'm struggling with this shit, mm -hmm. but you have to have courage too, you know, cause everyone, right. especially if you're look, if you think you're an expert in some field, you know, you don't want to go to people maybe that you're coaching or training and be like, Ooh, I'm going through some shit right now, you know, because mm -hmm. then you're letting down your authority. Right. Mm -hmm. So one of, one of your key, your key pillars of influence. Now you have less authority in your mind, which you don't, it's just like mm -hmm. your, the perception of yourself. It's a power differential. Yeah. Yeah. So every human's different, right? And I'm thankful mm. for that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Cause you're all like me, the, the world would suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it would have less variety, but that's if you true. develop enough personalities, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> if there's 14 personalities all in people like you you know just which one not do you off get the today? table <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh tj so what stuck out to you in the book besides um the social aspect uh just bringing it to your attention so even just the thought of just reframing it like that underlying thing i think will help a lot of people because so many people get in a, like eating healthy like they have some horrible thoughts around like oh this food sucks this that and like it's all viewed in one context just taking stress and re like reframing it to look at it in a different point of view i think it's like a light switch just there's a lot of things where it's just once you become aware of you can control the way you view situations i think that creates a massive change in a lot of people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they did a lot of studies that, you know, the one study I was just reading about, because I read the book a long time ago, and then I started to review it again from this, this chat that we're having. Uh, even 
people that went through a little bit of adversity as a child or growing up were able to keep their hand in ice water longer than the people that were like, oh, my God, I'm going to die if I don't take my hand out of the cold water, you know? So just like you said, just the mindset of knowing that I can use this stress as a tool versus like being a victim to the stress. And then the great part about that is that it, it can tie into your identity that you're not a victim and that you're responsible for overcoming this stress or to get through it. And then the difference in the way your nervous system reacts to mm-hmm. a challenge versus a catastrophe, mm-hmm. you can use that to your advantage by reframing it. So like you can be a, you can be a prey animal or you can be a, a predator predator. Mm-hmm. You know, your nervous system acts completely different in those situations. And Jess, you probably, you probably see this all day long in your work. Is there any mm-hmm. specific examples where you're like, uh, it's not that bad and you could actually use this little situation to get better, but they just, uh, they can't see it because they're in the moment. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think all of us have those situations, but, um, you know, I'm, you kind of use me as an example, I guess, like my body tends to respond in that fight, flight, or freeze response because I have such a, um, high anxiety, um, high fear, high fear brain. So when my body starts to have those fear responses or those stress responses, that's when the negative thinking and the, oh my gosh, the world is ending comes in. So, um, I've been doing CrossFit for a while and I had a CrossFit competition, um, a couple of years ago. And, you know, every time I got up to do some form of movement or workout, I literally wanted to throw up and cry and run away and all the things, but I had a lot of people there telling me, no, like use that to your advantage. Like you can use that as power, you know, use that as something to tell yourself, like you're ready for this, get, get your ass together and do it. Right. Um, so I've been able to reframe my mind, especially when it comes to like working out or being in high stress situations and tell myself, you know what? No, this is an opportunity for me to be strong. You know, this is an opportunity for me to use the adrenaline, to use the increased heart rate, to use that to my advantage. And then when you start to do that, you start to feel strong, capable, and all those things. And so I use that a lot with patients that I see, especially specifically anxiety right now, the world is the anxiety of the world is just ridiculous. Um, Instead of seeing things as so anxiety inducing or scary, why not look at this as an opportunity for something that might be exciting? You know, whether it's a job change, whether it's a relationship issue, um, whether it's some trauma that you're going through, like how can I use that fear and that stress and change it into something that will give me the ability to conquer and overcome. Um, And in the end, know that I am the stronger of the, the situation. Like you said, you can either be the prey or you can be the predator. Um, And so it is a very hard thing to do though. I'm not going to lie. Cause in that moment, like you said, if you're alone or you don't have somebody feeding that truth into you, how do you change your mindset when your mind and your body is saying, run, <laughs> you're scared. This right. is not cool. Um, right. So that's so, where the connection with people is very important. But how do we feel about people even saying that the anxiety is hard and stuff or this, that situation is hard because even just when they're talking about stress, like saying the, that situation is hard or whatever, 
is like saying stress is bad. Could we even reframe that from the beginning of how we talk about anxiety, kind of like how we're talking about stress in this mm-hmm. book is us saying something's hard will inherently make it harder for us to overcome. But do you think there's value to even reframing that? Oh, absolutely. Because if you can change the way you see it, um, if you can cognitively restructure your thought process, um, then you aren't going to give in to that fear. You're not going to give into the stress. You're not going to give into the false thinking that this is something that's detrimental to me. You're going to say, I am capable. And that's my job is to say, listen, you know, you're a human and all these things happen to you, but you are capable like you're strong. And then what we typically do is we say, what, what do you know to be true in your life? Like, what have you overcome already? You know, what things have you been successful at? Um, And then use some of those truths to help them restructure their thought process about like, okay, yeah, you're right. I have gotten through some really hard things and I have been able to come out better at the end. So there's no difference in this situation. I am capable of overcoming the situation and how I see it. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of, I have a built into my identity that I love hard things because they make me better. Yeah. <laughs> so if I, if I identify the hard thing as a good thing, if I label it, if the meaning that I give a hard thing, just in saying this is difficult and I automatically trigger, sweet, time to get better, mm-hmm. you know? So I guess it depends, like the label, like you said, TJ, it could, that could stop people in their tracks. So like, oh, this is a hard thing. And then you're already setting yourself up for like, oh, am I good enough to get through this hard thing? You know? So I say- well, the truth I, is, I mean, the truth is as humans, we're all capable of doing hard things, you know, but our history, our trauma, our past, our, the words that we've heard from other people um, cloud that truth we are born narcissistic, right? We are born with, I can do all the things, you know, when we're walking, we're learning to walk. How many times do you fall down when a baby's learning how to walk? A lot, (laughs) but they don't stop walking. They don't just go, Oh, I can't do it. You know, they say, I'm going to walk. And then in one month, I'm going to run. And then my parents are going to be telling me, would you stop walking? (laughs) You know, so we are born completely capable and completely with the understanding of that challenges are good for us what happens is over time in our life, we have people in our life, we have situations that come in our life that change that belief. So the goal would be to find that belief again, right? Of challenges are something that I want, I should look forward to because it may make me stronger, right? Um, but some, at some point in our lives, most people, they have something that changes that thought process to that automatic negative stress is bad, challenge is bad anxiety is bad I'm not capable of doing all the things you know so that's when we our mindset changes and it's different for every person but sometimes it's really early on because if you're a victim of abuse from very early on you all you start to feel like I can't overcome anything Um, it may be later in life with somebody in a relationship or you know failing school or something you know so it's taking those experiences but looking at the truth of things that matter which is i am capable this is hard but i'm capable of doing hard things Mm -hmm. the the tricky part about this is like your experience let's just say the hard thing has popped up again that you failed at the last five times Mm -hmm. like shit am i am i actually capable you know the last four times that i even attempted i sucked and i just crashed and burned you know 
Mm-hmm. But if you can just be like, this might be the time. Just got to start swinging, you know? Right. And if that thing is too hard at that moment, really, if it's, if it's not the rung you need to step onto, we'll step, step to the next rung. Like maybe we're trying to overstep the process, you know, TJ's working on me with that is, you know, one step at a time. Like if I want to hit 20 pounds down, that's not going to happen in 10 minutes. That's going to happen in two months or three months because there's small steps that I have to conquer first. So sometimes we are at a point where that thing isn't, we aren't capable of conquering that thing in the moment, but there is something right below it or on the way to it that we are capable. So that's what I try to work on with people is like, what is the very next step? What can I do now that I can conquer, that I can overcome? Because then that builds my belief in myself and the fact that the next step will be achievable. Then we get to, you know, three rungs up. It's like I use the example sometimes, like if I want to be a high jumper, I can't just go out and grab a pole vault and jump 10 feet. What's that going to look like? It's not going to look very it's good. It's going to look like an ambulance trip. I, it's, I, with me doing it, it's going to look really bad. But what I can do is I can start doing like broad jumps, you know, and I can do try to get my broad jump longer. And then I can start doing maybe jumping over a hurdle, you know, and then I can work my way up. So the end goal is what we see as potentially um, unattainable and maybe gives us that thought of, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to do it. But focusing more on the smaller steps in between give mm-hmm. us the truth which is we're capable that this challenge is conquerable and that i am going to get to the biggest piece of that challenge and make right. it and then not only that your nervous system right just that mm-hmm. progress mm-hmm. your nervous system rewards you absolutely when you're, when you're make, take, taking those tiny little steps because when you're going in the right direction the dopamine system's like all right you're going in the right direction mm-hmm. in anticipation of someday getting to that final goal right the problem is when you when you use that in the wrong way let's just say you're you run into a stressful situation and then you back down from it and then your social network is like yeah you don't need to you don't need to confront that you don't need to confront that we love you anyways Mm -hmm. you know now you're accidentally reinforcing a habit loop that is not beneficial for you you know for the if you want to be a, a, a autonomous adult that can take on the challenges of the world, mm-hmm. having a social group that's like, oh, come here. No, you don't need to do that. You know, life's unfair. Come here. Let me love you mm-hmm. just the way you are, which is good to have that type of person in there. But they might accidentally be rewarding you and wiring your nervous system to avoid confrontation right. with hard things and to come back to comfort. Oh, absolutely. So, well, that's our go-to. Our mind's go-to is avoid all the things, <laughs> you know, right. like if I don't have to address it, I don't have to, but that's mm-hmm. when, you know, having people in your life like that is important, but also having people who are there to tell you, you know, that situation was stressful, you know, but you can do that and push you towards conquering or addressing those stressful situations. Um, but sometimes on the flip side, Sometimes it is a good idea to step back for a minute so that you know how to appropriately and successfully address that situation. Sometimes stressful situations just pop up and we have to deal with it right now. Like I tell everybody, you throw me a catastrophe, like a bomb going off and I am your person. I will take care of you. I will meet all your needs or whatever. You give me something I have to 
expect or look forward to or anticipate and I'm gonna lose my mind (laughs) because there's too much time waiting on that stressful situation right right. so but in the chaos you can respond well oh absolutely that's like give me all the chaos and I will handle it (laughs) but in anticipation of the chaos you're like ah yeah so kind of getting your mind to stop anticipating chaos um and understanding that when chaos or stress or anxiety does come you can handle it you know you can conquer it because you're capable and you know you've done hard things before you said why waste all this time waiting on a catastrophe to happen and stressing out about it and i I feel like it does take like you're trained professional in this group right or in this niche Mm -hmm. right but even when you're in the when you're in the picture you can't see the frame so even someone like yourself you need someone like tj to be like hey small steps oh ask him i'm always like my favorite word is this is terrifying (laughs) because everything terrifies me i don't know why but my mind thinks everything is kind of a challenge it's kind of um, an overwhelming expectation or maybe i'll fail at it you know i do have a lot of knowledge but maybe i'm not good enough maybe i can't do it maybe i don't know what to say well bottom line who cares but second of all, I have to start telling myself, I am capable. I do hard things all the time. I have gotten through all the things. And so I texted him and I said, okay, fine. I'm going to trust you and I'm just going to do it. It's still not easy. But when I have people in my life like that, who tell me like you are capable and these are things that we feel like you could help others do, then why would I let my, I've done it before, but why would I let my anxiety or stress or fear inhibit me from being a help to somebody else that's where i struggle is i don't like the fact that i kind of avoid things and then other people you know kind of miss out but i'm getting you better at it (laughs) (laughs) trying yeah so uh what do you think about the in early in the book a meaningful life is a stressful life so we can wrap this right into a lot of people think about stress being bad and think they don't want stress, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty proven that you're not happy unless you have some kind of challenge to overcome. Well, I think life is just stressful. I think, you know, any stage of life, I've done a lot of thinking in my own life, like, you know, childhood was stressful. Being a teenager was stressful. Um, Getting married, having kids, finding jobs. Like, I don't think there's anyone who thinks that you can do life without stress is living on Pluto or something. I don't know, (laughs) you know, because. (laughs) Which sounds pretty damn stressful because isn't Pluto all gas? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my mom's favorite quote was always like, life sucks, then you have to keep living it. You know, like it's not life sucks, then you die. Cause that would be kind of awesome. (laughs) Like if we just got to end it all. Um, But you know, the bottom line is there's always going to be something. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not so sure how I feel about thinking that a stressful life is a happy life. Um, I feel like understanding stress and being able to manage it is what can make a stressful life. She talked about meaningful life, not so much happy wasn't the word used, meaningful is a stressful life. Well, I mean, situations that are stressful create change in our life, whether negative or positive. So it can, you know, situations can change the way we do life it can change Mm -hmm. the way we see life it can change the way we interact with people so i would agree with that absolutely that you know 
situations that occur in our life add meaning to our life you know mm-hmm. yeah or like, like if go you ahead, were CJ. gonna if you were say a male was gonna propose like that's a stressful situation mm-hmm. buying the finding the ring but making sure you got the right size how you're gonna do it are you gonna try to record are you not all these things would some people would view this as stressful but most people would agree that's a very meaningful time in their life so yeah, but I, I wouldn't see it as stressful. I would see that more as exciting, you know, and that would be because I could reframe my th- my thinking about it. Yeah, it's stressful. It is something that is a huge decision. But if you look at the whole, like the end goal of that decision or that situation, it's exciting because you're about to change your life and you're about to move forward, you know? That's mm-hmm. a, this is a good point that we haven't touched on yet. She talks about a lot. No one has actually identified what, stress means a stressful situation like that's a big point in the book we use stress as a broad term but stress is defined so many different ways for so many different people because what weight training is a stress a lot of people love it freaking having losing your job because of covid and everything shutting down that's a stress i think that's different than me squatting yeah so it's like one of the big points that we haven't touched on yet, she's talking about stress isn't defined. So like when you said that's exciting, well, there's still a feeling of like anxiousness, stuff like that, that some people might classify as stress. Mm -hmm. So just how broad that term is, I don't think she was a big fan of that. But what do you guys think? I think, um, like you said, putting a definition, like I think it's up to us to define what stress means. And I think that's probably one of the key points in the book is like decide what it means. But as far as like um, a stressful life is a meaningful life. If I am going to rescue the Jews out of the concentration camps, there's gonna be a lot of stress, Mm -hmm. but meaning is way more important than the stress involved. And I think at the end of the day, if you did that successfully, you'd be extremely happy mm-hmm. that you you gave your life meaning, you know, and it always comes back to contribution, you know, mm-hmm. so the social, the social aspect is like we're wired somehow, even if we hate people, even if we're on all the anxiety medication, we have barely any connection to our feeling. There's something in us that still wants to help people. Well, we're created, I started to interrupt you, we're created for connection. Um, I don't know, you know, whether you believe in, you know, God or have a faith or whatever, but like my belief is that we are created for connection with other people. So stress in itself can be induced when we aren't connected, you know? So um, I feel like, you know, like you said, the meaningful piece of it with what I do, I stress over all the time, whether or not I'm doing the right thing or meeting needs or whatever. But my, the bottom line is, is I have to believe that my goal is to meet the needs of others where they are and help them move from one place to another. And that, that, like you said, creates meaning in my life. You know, I feel thankful and happy that I can do those things, but that also other people are also having improved meaning in their life. And so, but it's because of that connection and because we are so, you know, desire, we desire so much connection between each other, you know, so the, the, the payout is twofold. It's for ourselves and it's for the other people in our life. Right. And on the same topic, 
what I do, like a uh, meaningful life is a stressful life as in her words, that's exactly what I do. Like I really care about the results of my clients and handling everything and going above and beyond. So when I have 25, 30 clients checking in with all different needs, stressing about different things, like that's a lot that falls back on me to handle, but I, that's what I want to do. I want to help these people. So it's meaningful, even though I address the stress of like seven people had a bad week and they're all freaking out. Like, yeah, that's a lot to handle, but I enjoy actually what I do and helping these people. So I get meaning from Mm -hmm. addressing that stress because a lot of times there's people just getting started. Like when we just got started, there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of things that I'm trying to help them handle to start with. And that times all the clients, it Mm -hmm. makes it a, makes it a fun situation, but that whole, this whole thing comes back down to like, that's meaningful because I actually care about helping those people. Mm -hmm. So what kind of tools do you have, TJ, we'll start with you to, when you have stress going on in your life, what's your routine, healthy and unhealthy? Mine's very simple. Either I buy a new book or buy a course or do something to improve myself, move me forward, or just go help someone for free. Just getting any kind of action to go improve a situation. It's that's what I found when I'm in a bad mood, I'll literally go and just help somebody, whether it's, or buy a new course or do something, go when I broke your shit, go to Barnes and Noble and just read something like anything that's going to move me forward. I, mm-hmm. Like that's the easiest thing I do. And it works every time. Mm-hmm. So that's your, that's your routine when you're overwhelmed or whatever you're like let me go help somebody let me improve someone else's situation and then they'll improve my situation yeah even like grant cardone always talks about when like sales people are struggling like they can't close their own deals he talks about in a few of his courses like go help somebody else with theirs like don't worry about the commission don't whatever just something something positive to get you back on track mm-hmm. and then you can go back into your situation mm-hmm. yeah. Jess how do you handle yours um, I'm kind of similar um, my desire just every day is how can I help someone you know whether it's you know win my job or just being available to my friends um, I'm I'm a very connected person so I just I need that to level out my my stress and anxiety um, but um, I do have like a few people that I can be very vulnerable with one is another therapist that I work with who isn't judgmental and thinking, Oh, you should be all great. because you're a therapist. I can go to her and I can say, listen, like my mood is awful. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like myself. I don't like people right now. And she just listens and she validates and says, you know what? Like, this is hard work, like, but you're doing a great job. You know, we work with each other because as a professional in this, in this field, it's really hard to go to other professionals because there is a lot of judgment that you should have it all together. You know, you're teaching everybody else how to, how to have it all together. And when I don't, which is a lot of the time, I feel like I'm, you know, being of disservice. Well, she's very good at telling me like, no, you're a human. Like you're allowed to feel this way. What we do is heavy. What we do is hard. Um, give yourself some grace. Um, and then I try to move. I got, I go do something. I go to the beach. I go work out. I go on a walk with my dogs. 
Um, I can't just, if I sit with myself and my stress and my worry, it does not go well in my head. <laughs> so right. I just get out and I like to move, whether it's just take a drive, go to the, like I said, walk with the dogs or the beach is my favorite place. And if I can go spend 30 minutes, 40 minutes on the beach and just breathe, I'm a different person, you know, mm -hmm. just getting away from not avoiding it, but like taking a minute to just be and, you know, trying to be as present as I can in the moment of, you know, all I can do right now is control me and what I can do, you know? And so, um, just having a good group of people that I can connect with and then moving. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't have that group of people, what would you do? Would it be well, I have movement? my husband. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I mean, I have my, my girls who I, you know, check in with all, we support each other. Um, my husband's pretty good about being like, are you okay? And I can now say, no, I'm not okay. Um, but you know, but, if I didn't have him or anybody, um, I've never been without because I'm such a needy person when it comes to connection. Um, but I feel like I would just have to move, have to just be active doing something um, to keep my energy down, like my, that negative energy down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a, um the most stressful times of my life are when I'm searching for meaning in my life. Like when I'm really looking for a little, something bigger, not necessarily like financially or whatever, just bigger contribution. Like, am I making the right move? Um, traditional stress, like, oh crap, you don't have enough to pay this or, oh crap, you ruptured your ACL or, you know, those types of things, I can handle those very well, you know? But it's the meaning <laughs> that I'm trying to live a meaningful life. Those are the one I go in my deep, my deep dark places. It's like, I'm trying to figure out what should I do with my life that's actually gonna make a difference, you know? And um, some of the tools I use, books, obviously. Uh, I do a lot of journaling and, um, exercise you know one of the best things for me is like when i can focus on something 100 percent intensity so that's why i love before i ruptured my acl i love if i'm super stressed out if i can play two three games of basketball two three hours of basketball man there's no other objective besides to win so like all my stress is just completely gone because I'm focused on this asshole in front of me. Mm -hmm. That you know, <laughs> and that's it. And there's something so meditative about that is because you're so in that moment. If you let up for one second, he's gonna score on you easily. You know, mm -hmm. so I just love that. But I haven't I haven't had that for a while. So I've been doing like sprinting or trying to get my squats heavier, mm -hmm. which is like similar, right? Because you have if, if there's 365 on your back and you're used to doing, you know, 265, <laughs> if you're not fully engaged in that moment, those few seconds, it's not going to turn out well for me. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, you know, that's scary for me too. <laughs> Cause I'm like, so what oh. do you, what do you do when you return to normal, when you return to the stress, you know, what would, what do, what do you do? Cause you know, for that, three hours of basketball, that's great. And for my 45 minutes to an hour at the beach, that's great. But what mm -hmm. do we do when we return to life 
Right. Well, it's it's kind of seems it's weird because your your body is so connected to our stress response from back in the day. The only stress response we had was like hunger, fighting, hunting, you know, crazy weather. Like it was all survival based. Mm-hmm. And if you go hard on a basketball court for three hours, it's kind of like, ah, man, that, I guess that wasn't that stressful. So just let me go handle it. So Thank I guess you. it takes the, it takes the edge off for me to attack it in a more like realistic um, mindset. Mm-hmm. Like it's not that, it's not that big a deal. You were mm-hmm. just like catastrophizing it in your head. Mm-hmm. And then if you go hard in the basketball court, you don't have a lot of energy left to be stressing about that. Like, mm-hmm. ah, man. Okay. Right. Or you can see deal. it differently. Yeah. You can see it as less stressful, right? Just kind of like we were talking about, um, you know, what if you have those friends that tell you, oh, you don't need to deal with that situation. It's not that big of a deal. We love you anyways. Well, no, sometimes you just need that three hours of basketball before you address the situation, you know, because then you can have that ability to kind of um, decatastrophize and start seeing things more rationally. Um, whereas if you don't take that space, you know, I, I'm a big believer in putting space between a situation and a response, because if I respond immediately in a stressful situation, it might not be, sometimes you have to, I mean, I get it. Sometimes you have to respond immediately, but if there's a possibility for you to put any kind of space between a stressful situation and your response, it's always going to be much better because you're going to have that time to kind of pull it back and start to really think about whether or not you're seeing the situation rationally, what you need to do and how you need to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of times in life we'd have to make split decisions in stressful situations, but the goal would be to stop, relax and think even in those middle of those really stressful situations and say, am I seeing this rationally? Take a deep breath and then respond. Um, yeah. That Isn't itself- it funny that, that all this, um, uh these little phrases that have been around for a long time, mm-hmm. kind of like bar stool wisdom, you know, mm-hmm. you just tell your buddy, Oh man, just sleep on it. See how you feel tomorrow. Yeah. Just but read the so Bible. Much, You'll be fine. <laughs> there's so much <laughs> wisdom in there and we just take it for granted because like someone just like, Oh, just sleep on it. You you know, give it a couple of days and make the decision. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much wisdom in that, but we just write it off because it's so simple. Well, because we don't give ourselves, you know, like she was talking about, we don't give ourselves the opportunity to change the way our body is responding, you know? So if we go into that stressful situation and feel like we have to respond to it right now, then we're going to respond to it out of that high stress, high cortisol, high heart rate, blood pressure, all the things, right? Well, if I give myself even five minutes, I'm going to have regulated myself into a better place where it's still going to be a stressful situation, but it's not going to be so difficult for me to manage. You know, so those little things about just giving it time or space or whatever you want to call it helps do what she was talking about in the, in the book about um, seeing it differently so that your mind changes the way your body responds, but then actually physically changing the way you respond by taking control of how your body is responding. Because you do have the control over a panic attack. You do have the control over how you see the situation. And, but unless you kind of give yourself that space, it's going to go like the train and it's just going to keep going and it's going to be catastrophic in real life. What if it's, um, what if it's just easier to blame it on something else, like a, a chemical imbalance or, uh, it's not my fault. You know, would you, would you be upset at yourself if you had a broken leg? (laughs) You know, I've I've heard this a lot with like depression, right? 
So like, I'm a, I like, I don't like depending on anything probably because I couldn't depend on anything. So I've learned not to depend on things. So if someone is going through a depression, you know, and if they ask me for advice and then, then they tell me, they take all my advice and they're like, but you don't understand. It's a chemical imbalance. It's not my fault. And they delegate their, they, they delegate their happiness to a pill or whatever, something that's going to do the work for them, you know, but instead, if you attacked the problem or if you gave meaning to this depression episode, like I really want to make a difference and I'm trying to really, I have to go into this dark place for a minute and do some work to come out on the other side. Um, but I feel like a lot of people would rather just be like, it's not my fault. I wouldn't blame myself if I'm a diabetic. So why would I, why would I think that it's my job to overcome depression or to give it a useful meaning? Because it is your, it is your job to overcome it. It's, a, it's your job to sink into it or it's your job to change the way you see things. And yes, some of us are chemically different. There is proof of that. Some of us have trauma that changes our brain for the rest of our life. There's, we cannot control that, right? I cannot control how I was treated as a child or by people or things that were said. I can't control, you know, where I grew up. I can't control any of those things. Those protective factors are things that I can't control. But even if I'm depressed, I have choices. I can sit in it and say, yeah, my mom beat the crap out of me my entire life. So I'm just going to sit over here and wallow in it because I'm a nothing. Well, that's not true, but that's a choice I made to think that way. Um, so yes, while it might be a chemical issue, there are things out there to help us. There's therapy, there's medication and therapy. Um, but bottom line is, is I have a choice whether I tell you to kiss my ass or not, <laughs> you know, like I have a, I can get up every morning or not. I have a choice in that. So it's a, a lot of people I see have this thing. I, well, my mom has depression, so I have depression, so I can't get over it and I'm never going to. Okay. Well, if you say that, then that's true. But the bottom line is, is I have control over what I do with that. So if I get up every morning at 4.30 and go work out and go to work and take care of my family, I can still have depression. That's not my identity. You know, my identity is what I do and who I am to people. I can lay in my bed all day and not make any money and go into bankruptcy. Absolutely. But I choose to do differently. And so mm. the goal would be to help people see that like, yeah, life kind of sucks sometimes and we go through really hard things. And life is stressful and things kind of, it always seems like things are coming at us. Well, I can only do what I can do. I can't control all of the external things. Um, if I broke my leg, I'd go to the doctor and get it fixed, right? I wouldn't just lay there and be like, oh, I broke my leg and I'm just going to watch it wither away. I could. That would kind of be not very helpful. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the goal would be to tell yourself, you know, yes, I feel like crap. I don't feel good. I feel like I you just want to go and hide in the hole for the next six months. But what would that look like in my life? You know, what would I be able to overcome or contribute or what would other people, and I'm not big on what other people think, but like, like you said, kind of earlier on, like we're kind of like an example or that power differential between myself and clients, or even with my children, like what kind of example am I setting in hard times for other people? You know, and the mm -hmm. goal would be that you show that you can overcome really crappy times. Mm -hmm. And if you if you respond to a depression or anxiety in a assertive way, like you attack it versus like let it attack you, mm -hmm. 
your nervous system automatically starts acting different because now you see it as a challenge versus like something out of your control. Like this is Absolutely. something I can fight back against. Or like uh, what I do, my last depressed, depressive episode, it got really dark. But the whole time I'm like, ah, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this to get better. So I, I try tried to see the upside in that stressful episode. I'm like, oh man, it's here for a reason. Now what's mm-hmm. it trying to tell me? You know, what's it trying to tell me? I need to get my shit together. What am I, you know, what am I avoiding or what, what hard decision or conversation haven't I had yet? Like, mm-hmm. let me use this. And I knew that, oh man, it's going to pass, but I need to use this. I can't avoid it. I can't mm-hmm. hope someone else is going to process, process these feelings for me, or I don't want to numb them and just take them all away because they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I just need to sit here and explore what the hell's going on with me. And like why this episode is here. Let's mm-hmm. figure it out. And at the the other side of this dark time, I'm gonna come out a better person. So that's well, those like dark my times are not real. Yeah, those right. dark times are not real. If you want to go there, like the dark times are it's like those black it's like the blackout curtains, you know, like there's sun on the other side of those curtains, like you just can't see it. You know, so like you said, it's a challenge. Like, what can I do to open the curtains? What can I do to get to the sun? What can I do to you know, see what is happening in my life right now and make myself better. Um, and that's, I kind of always try to think of like, there's always something like you just said, like that you're going through this for a reason to make you better, to find more meaning in your life, to find meaning that you can pour into other people's lives, you know, um, or you can let it suck you in and it would be a completely different outcome. Right. And most likely probably not good. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, let me uh, look at a couple. So on Kindle version, they give you uh, the ability to see what a lot of people highlighted. Mm-hmm. So it shows that 1,060 people highlighted this sentence. When you feel your body responding to stress, ask yourself which part of this stress response you need the most. Do you fight, escape, engage, connect, or find meaning to grow? So that's kind of like um, when you start to feel the stress in your body, you're kind of finding a way to reframe it, reframe it and give it meaning, it looks like. So I'm going to read it again. When you feel your body responding to stress, ask yourself which part of the stress you need. Yeah. So obviously that's going to be different for every situation. Is that talking about like, when you feel it coming out, what's your initial urge that it's pointing you towards? Like if, if you have a lion coming at you, you're, the first stress response is probably going to be run in most people's scenario. Is it just like taking that stressful situation and identifying what your natural response is telling you to do? Is that what they're... I, th- really I think it's saying say? if it feels like your stress response is pushing you in one direction, focusing on how you want to respond can shift your biology and support you. So I think uh, the lion situation is kind of different because that's so ingrained to our nervous system that that's auto- it's, it's an automatic response. So the way we're wired is probably perfect for that scenario is to get the fuck out of there if there's a lion. <laughs> but, but to be fair, I use this situation a lot, this scenario a lot. And our body, though, that's just the thing is a lot of people don't understand is our body and our mind respond to stress or anxiety or fear 
in the same way, it doesn't matter if it's a bear or a lion or if it's somebody coming in with a gun or if it's a, I might fail this test. You know, our, our physical and emotional response is the same because our, okay, we can go into whole things, but like we have upstairs brains and downstairs brains and our downstairs brain is what is responsible for those responses. And in any kind of stressful situation, that downstairs brain um, overrides any rational think any rational thinking. So it's not a bear or a lion coming after you. It's just simply a test you're not prepared for, but my body responds the same way. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, thinking, taking a step back and saying, first of all, is this response, uh, what is the word? Is this response, does it match the situation? First of all, like, is my body responding appropriately to what I am looking at? Well, in order to know, I have to decide what I'm looking at, right? And then I have to decide um, which piece of that I need. So do I need to run because it is a, a lion or do I need to take this as a challenge? Like she says, like to reframe my mindset and say, this is just something that's going to be difficult, you know, or yeah. do I need to tell myself shut down for a minute before you do something really stupid and then revisit it. <laughs> so, yeah. um, regardless the challenge, of, the challenge response would be the best response for a male lion charging at me. Really? <laughs> <laughs> like, you never, no. you, Mike, I'm like, Michael, get the Mike, fuck out. <laughs> Mike will try to fight it. I promise you. Mike will try to fight it. He's just very intelligent in that way. But see, you've learned to change the way you see stress and the way you see anxiety and fear. Or there's fight, flight, or freeze. So you just want to fight. Like your go-to is, my go-to is fighting too, for the most part. I'm going to take out whatever's in front of me until I'm too scared and then I'm going to run away. It's initially like, bring it. And then I'm like, oh crap. No, no, no. Yeah, we need a we need a happy medium. <laughs> yeah, so we're our our initial response to stress in emergency situations wired up pretty good, you know. So like a lion, get the hell out of there, right? Yeah. But the body responds the same way with like, oh, you have a test tomorrow. Yeah, that you're not prepared for. Absolutely. Right. So you you know, but it's the same response initially. You have mm-hmm. to find that gap where you're like, all right. Am I going to die response, if I fail this test? Yeah, no. And that's what you have to say. Like, it sucks. I should have studied more. Probably not going to get a great test grade, but I'm not going to go into this hyperventilating. <laughs> you know, I'm going to regulate myself and tell myself, you know, it's not as catastrophic as my mind is thinking it is. Mm-hmm. It's cool because Kelly's most recent book, The Joy of Movement, kind of talks about like, when you're completely exhausted from sprints or whatever, and you're just this huge deep breath in and out, like almost like a panic attack. Mm-hmm. She's like, that's beautiful. Cause your body is like getting you through that hard situation. Mm-hmm. And then the reason CrossFit blew up so much is because the social aspect of it. Like when you're going through hard things, but your tribe is there like showing you love and support. Mm-hmm that's addicting that's exactly what i told tj he's not a super fan of crossfit but i oh, said no. listen i well, can't from a health from a health perspective like if you're if your goal is to stay healthy and make progress crossfit is not the best tool mm-hmm. but it's the most addictive because like when you get hurt your tribe is there to love on you you know it's, it's just wiring you for that mm-hmm. but if you're if your goal is like to stick to your plan 
the risk to reward situation with CrossFit is, you know, where it comes into play with yeah. like TJ's long-term goals for you and for himself is not to hopefully battle a, a back injury. injury for the next eight weeks, you know, yeah. Yeah. for sure. But that's where the whole connection thing is, is when I get super overwhelmed, like I have people there to tell me like, it's not that bad, Jess, like you're fine. You can do it. Like use whatever you're feeling right now to overcome this obstacle that you see in your way. That's not really an obstacle. It's just something my brain is seeing as scary. Right. And I, TJ, how do you feel about like um, lifting with a partner versus not lifting with a partner? Like if you have someone on the same wavelength and you guys are like crushing it together. I would love that versus like doing it by yourself. Do you know the difference? Me personally, because I still deal with some injuries. There's a lot of body parts. I won't train with somebody because I know I might have to adjust things or do things that aren't going to fit in without like, if we start squatting, they want to squat and my knee or back's acting up, I'm going to have to go switch it. So I don't want to have that situation where I'm trying to change their workout and negatively affecting them. But <laughs> if you're on the same wavelength, I think there's a lot of benefits to it just from even just the, the challenge aspect, like having someone there to kind of mm-hmm. go back and forth with, especially like when you're in the bodybuilding for a long time and you're at a higher level, trying to find someone that's even on that level to push each other. Because mm-hmm. normally if I go in any random gym, I'm probably training harder than most people in there like just without thinking about it. But when you're in an environment that has people that are all pushing really, really hard, I think there's a good, like, it's why I don't like to train at gyms that are empty. Everyone talks about like, oh, empty gym, yay, all this stuff. I can't stand it. If the gym is empty, I'll leave and come back later. Which is weird because when you train alone, you still like the gym to be busy. Yeah, for sure. Just the environment around you of people actually working. So not people just messing around and taking selfies. Right. Hey, don't, I take selfies at the gym. I know, but I make you do it. I know. (laughs) Accountability (laughs) selfie. If if it's not on a selfie, it didn't happen, right? (laughs) Right. Oh, exactly. (laughs) It's so true. Like I have new clients record videos of like certain movements. Oh, this is so weird. I'm like, you're good. Like so many people... That's recording is such a good tool in a gym context. Just but here's the deal. Like if we're talking about stress and stuff in that, and you asked me to do that too. And I was terrified because I was like, oh my gosh, then he's going to actually know what I look like. And then he's going to think I don't know what I'm doing. And then he's going to tell me you're, you're stupid. It was all the things. And I was like, no, all I'm those things could be true. That's absolutely, I know. <laughs> about me so um you know but no, I was like you I know mean, what get over your <laughs> like I was like I had to tell myself like I had to restructure my thinking and say you know what no I'm paying him he cares he needs to know because I want to get better he wants me to get better so shut your face there we go it. so even though all those things can be true you're I doing did it, it anyways anyways because you value growth over being like looked as perfect or whatever exactly Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, it's going to show all the things. Right. And it's going to be, it was just terrifying in my brain. Cause my brain automatically goes to this is, this is not cool because I don't know what I'm doing and I'm not perfect. And what if he thinks I'm stupid and all the things, well, I had to change it. I had to say, you know what? No, 
you know, that's completely irrational for what he's asking me to do and why he's asking me to do it. And I had to see, like you said, it was for growth so that he could say, yeah, that's cool. No, you're stupid. You don't know what you're doing. You're like, what are you Fix doing? it. <laughs> you know? So absolutely. Even in those small things, it's, it's something that's hard to, to overcome. It's a, it, but it became something that for me, I was like, you know what? I have to be vulnerable in this. Otherwise I'm not going to change, you know? And mm-hmm. so that's where taking that anxiety or that stress of that and changing it to what it could do to benefit me and to help him help me. How is he going to know what I'm doing or what I need if I'm not being honest with him? Right. You know, like if so you're not measuring your food right or something. Yeah, exactly. And or if I if he says, have you had anything off plan? And I say no, which I don't. But it's not true, <laughs> you know, because I'm afraid that he's going to be like, well, you suck as a client, you know. Well, he's just thinking that he won't say it. I know I've learned he won't say, it. <laughs> but that's my, you know, the catastrophic thinking is like, oh, I failed. No, I'm human. And I made a mistake. So I need to be honest with him so that he knows, hey, she's not following plan. Right. So I need to help her figure out what's going on and why. So even in those small, that's a small, stressful situation, but can lead to this catastrophic um, line of thought unless you change it and see it differently. Right. So that's kind of what she was talking about is how we change the way we see the stressful situation and how our body responds. Yeah. The upside and then we of typically the feel better. Selfie. Yeah. Yeah. The upside of the awkward selfie and the awkward video in the gym when you already feel stupid because you're trying a new movement and now you have to set up a phone and everyone's going to be looking at you in the gym like. And there's people that look like TJ there what? and I'm over here like I'm doing something, I think. You just got to yell at them, bitch, mind your own business. Right. <laughs> Which is Coach one good said. thing about where I live is my gym is small and the people are great. So, you know, it's, there's never any judgment, but man, I feel it even though it's not there. Right. That's irrational and my catastrophic thinking. And I have to say, you know yeah. what? No people, A, don't care that I'm here, but B, if they do, they're glad I'm here and I'm not on the couch, you know? Right. So it's seeing that stress that comes in, in a different way. For sure. So another uh, chapter or part of the book is uh, what does it mean to be good stressed? So what, what would you say to someone saying, what's a good stress to you, Mike? Mm, a good stress is just enough amount of resistance to make me better in some way. Or my identity is like, all right, that water is 30 degrees. I know there's going to be like a hormetic response if I get in there. And not only that, I'll uh, do something that forces me to override my panic response. So I'm going to go in there and learn to control, you know, myself in a very stressful situation and then become better at the end. One good thing about that is you can't get in water that's 30 degrees. You can't? <laughs> It's frozen. It's frozen. It's solid. Oh, well, there's a creek that we had like oh, 30 it was moving water. It was moving water. It was moving really fast. And when I get in that bitch, whoo, man, it, it's so cold. Literally, I feel like my skin's burning off. Yeah. That's a like, little dangerous. Right. <laughs> so he <laughs> threw his wife in there, too. No, oh, she didn't get in. She got in last time when the, the water was probably like, you know, just under 50 degrees. Like I go in it in the middle of like February because the creek never stops flowing 
and there's like I'm walking through ice to get there and you see ice floating through I'm just like I tried to get her to go in and she's just like fuck 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 she's like no not happening she like put her foot she was like trying to force her leg into the water like ah and it just wouldn't go <laughs> she's like I'm out of here no Mm-mm. so that's a great uh, example of a good stress cell like you put yourself in that cold environment and the hermetic response the response to that stress is a net benefit for you so same with weight training like mm-hmm. getting underweight like that is technically stress you're stressing the tissue to damage it but it's a positive response that comes from that stress mm-hmm. but i mean i'm gonna read one more highlight for you guys and see what you think of this one let's see if i can find it real quick Let's see. Here we go. The beliefs that become mindsets transcend preferences, learned facts, or intellectual opinions. They are core beliefs that reflect our philosophy of life. A mindset usually based on a theory about how the world works. For example, the world is getting less safe, that money will make you happy, and everything happens for a reason, and people cannot change. All these beliefs have the potential to shape how you interpret Interpret the experiences and make a direct or uh, and make decisions. Mm-hmm. So our beliefs about everything kind of shape our behavior. Well, and core beliefs, like she's talking about, core beliefs come from our history. Core beliefs come from who we were raised by, how we were raised, whether we're raised in a, in a believing home or not, whether we believe that, you know, Democrats are going to end the world or Republicans or Jesus, you know? So... The thing is, is we aren't in charge of how we get our core beliefs. And that's unfortunate (laughs) because we rely on people that we trust or who people who are involved in our life to raise us. So at some point we have to decide if our core beliefs are right. Um, That usually happens, you know, sometime around teenage years when we're kind of going, our parents are stupid, right? And like all the things. And then as we get older, we start to see the world differently. So every single person has a set of core beliefs and they are actually kind of like, so they're kind of like sunglasses. And everybody's tint on their sunglasses is different. So I might see a situation as like, no big deal. Like, bro, what are you getting all excited about? Right. And you may be like, oh my God, the world's ending. Well, because you see that situation through your core beliefs and I see it through mine. And those two things are different. So we can have the same experience, but feel and respond differently to it. So there comes a time where you have to decide whether or not the way you were trained to think is correct or not and how you see the world. And sometimes we have to take those glasses off and that can be devastatingly hard for some people who are raised in certain beliefs where you have to like challenge whether or not what you were told was correct or whether or not you see the world as healthy or not. So it's really, really important that at some point you do challenge how you see the world. So what would you say if I said nothing that happened in your past matters, it's just it all matters. <laughs> does does the event matter or the meaning you give that event? Because I think everything is the meaning. Because anything can happen. Like I've watched people go through horrible shit. Mm-hmm. They can give that event a different meaning. So like people always, I know plenty of people that complain and say, "There's that story about the two sons, twin sons, one, and they both had an alcoholic father." One took that and became, I think, some lawyer or something high end. And he's like, why'd you get to that 
how'd you get to that point? Be like, oh, my father was an alcoholic and I wanted to be as far away from that as possible. And then the other son is an alcoholic. Why did you get to, and homeless or whatever, how'd you get to this point? Well, my dad was an alcoholic. So that's all I seen. That's all I knew. Well, at some point, the other one challenged what he saw as whether or not it was something he wanted to do. You see what I'm saying? Like it does impact your brain. All of our life and the traumas and the experiences we have, have an impact on our brain. It's what we do with it that matters. You can't, I'm not going to say that you, the experiences you had don't matter because it's your truth. You know, it's how you experience life, but it's what you do with those experiences ongoing and whether or not you do like the alcoholic son and say, well, my dad was an alcoholic. I didn't know any better. So that's just how we do life. Well, that's because he's choosing to continue to see his life through those core beliefs. The other son said, fuck no, <laughs> I am not going to do that. I have the ability to overcome what I was taught and shown. So, so is that the event itself or the meaning they give it? Because I think you're going down to the road of this event happened, but what you control is the meaning you give it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it, and the meaning behind the event may change over time because if we have a trauma in our life, we may for a time feel like a victim or we may at in times give into that truth that we have been told. But until we decide to challenge that, and say, is the way I see that event correct? Or is the meaning I'm giving that event correct? Nothing will change. So sometimes we have to get to a point where we have to go back to that event, which is like reliving our traumas and decide how we like reframe or how we see or let it impact us. Um, but a lot of the things we experience, we can't give a different meaning to until we understand that we're seeing it incorrectly. Does that mean does that matter does that like make sense <laughs> yeah. yeah so the events our past does matter at a baseline level but what we have control over is the meaning that we give it and at the end of the day the meaning is way more important than the actual event exactly sorry choking my water <laughs> it's okay <laughs> just don't die give it a good meaning <laughs> oh, that's I made it through COVID. I'm not going to die. Right. <coughs> no glass of water is going to take you down. <laughs> nope. Taking it on as a challenge. Right. <laughs> so yeah. one of her one of her main fears was before this book, she went around telling everybody that stress was bad. That stress is going to kill you, etc. And she 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 was looking at it like at the baseline level, like stress raises, raises cortisol. If you have too much cortisol for a long period of time, it shows that, you know, you're 30% likely more likely to die early or something like that. But then she was, which is funny because she's a psychologist. She completely, completely took the mind out of it early on when she was talking about stress. She was just teaching people stress is bad. And then eventually she's like, hang on, I'm a psychologist. Stress can be good. It depends on how we look at it. You know, so she's one of my favorite authors. And I think I just want to give, get all her books, like her new one. If it wasn't pink, if it wasn't pink, I would be more likely to put it on my shelf. But it's like big pink book. And it's What's fantastic. Man enough to like put the... a pink book in your a repertoire. Who cares? <laughs> I don't know. There's something wrong with me. I still hate women. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, I did uh, I did not read a, a woman author till I was like 30. 
Well, I mean, I don't know much about your history, but I know enough to know that that makes total sense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, I think this was a good talk, guys. Yeah. I like it. For yeah. sure. So what's our takeaway from this? Stress is only detrimental to your health if you see it in a negative light? Or what's our takeaway? Mm. My takeaway is good. Stress is good as long as you make it mean something. Without, without stress, there's no way to get better. Physically, sure. mentally, <coughs> socially. Like, just think of the stress of, of like giving a speech. Holy shit, man. I, I got a D in all my speech classes. What? But, but like the ability to go out in front of a crowd of people and just speak confidently, you know, I think that's a, a event or something that you would want in your tool belt, you know? And if it takes like a thousand public appearances to just get your ass kicked and suck, mm-hmm. just to get to that point where you're like comfortable doing it and then you're able to contribute with talks or mm-hmm. whatever speeches or, you know, whatever you decide mm-hmm. to, to do with your life. I feel like even there's an upside of that stress, just getting your ass kicked over and over, just shaking and stuttering because you're so hyped up or, or <laughs> you know, you have so much anxiety, you know, cause you know, you mumble a little bit or you know that you're not sure how to use the best words to explain the situation. I think stress is, stress is good. It's funny you say that because I actually thought about that when I was watching her podcast, her um, TED talk, because she seemed so like chill. But I do know that even if she's like the chillest person on the earth, that her body will create a responsive fear. So she had to get to a point where she was able to successfully see that situation differently. Do you see what I'm saying? So like, yeah. even though we didn't see it on her TED talk or whatever, because she did a really good job. Um, there is a natural, unless you're a complete narcissist and think that you are all things to all people. Um, it's going to be huge. She's going to have that response. <laughs> you said. Who built the cages, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think that, you know, stress is necessary, like you said, in some situations to build character and to, and to grow ourselves. Um, but it is how we respond to it and how we, accept it that makes that happen exactly and a few just quick things to go over before we wrap it up uh like some like chapter four uh how anxiety helps you rise to the challenge so that just confirms exactly what we're talking about Mm -hmm. where these stressful events are going to be basically stepping stones or situations that allow us to improve and then it another one uh how adversity makes you stronger. So she confirms it a few different times in the book. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and that all comes with how you allow it into your life. Anxiety can debilitate you and keep you stuck, or it can drive you. Cause you know, procrastination is just anxiety. It's the fear of doing whatever or not doing it well or not getting it done. S- stress and all that kind of stuff are detrimental to us if we allow it to be because it will hold us captive and it won't let us grow. So that's her whole point, I think, is, you know, changing the way you allow your body to respond and how you allow your body to see stress and anxiety. Um, it's a whole cognitive change. It ha- and Because if you can't change that cognitive thought process, your body, the response your body has will not change. 
So it's, it's a mind body thing. You know, there's a book called the body keeps the score and it's about how like our injuries to our mind through trauma and things like that impact our body and our body's response, you know, so, and our body keeps the score of our history. So our go-to is always going to be that immediate catastrophe thinking, or um, this is a horrible situation to be in and I'm just not going to survive it. Right. Well, if we can change the way that our mind sees those things, it will change the way our body responds. Mm -hmm. And the the body keeps the score. That's all about like the subconscious Mm -hmm. scar tissue that you don't realize Mm -hmm. you have from those traumas. They're, they're under, they're under there. And your automatic responses are kind of shaped by all that trauma. Right. <laughs> so the subconscious mind is is the nervous system because you're you're not aware of how it's affected you until you become aware of it. And be like, okay, my automatic response is to fight. Right. You're like, hmm, why is that? What situation, what trauma, at what point did I start fighting back that like really implanted its its mark on my nervous system? Mm-hmm. You know? I- I don't think I have any of that scar tissue. I think my head injury broke it loose. You got yeah. rid of for me. Man, <laughs> I need I need a head injury then to get rid of all of my crap. Yeah. Right. You even get a nice little scar. Yeah. TJ's head's so big now he needs a shrink. Right. M M&M. and <laughs> The M M&M and line. My head's so big, I think I need a shrink. Right. Oh, this was good. I liked it. Jess, it was good to meet you. You too. I hope I was helpful. You were. Thank you. You're welcome. So, but what's it like being on a podcast called Bros on Books when you're a chick? Um, you know, I'm just one of everybody, so it doesn't okay. really matter. <laughs> you know, like you can ask my husband, like I'm not really a chick. Like most of my besties are dudes. So okay. <laughs> girls are dramatic. I don't have time for all the drama. All right. <laughs> Well, no, we'll have good. you on again, I think. I think we'll have you on again. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. We'll read a book together. What do you think? We'll read her next one, The Joy of Movement. How about I listen to it? Because I don't read books, but I will listen. Uh, same thing. You okay, good. I, mean. yeah. <laughs> I already have like five books on her reading list, so she was, she's probably going to okay. stop reading yeah. books. <laughs> <laughs> right now I'm reading, I'm listening to Lecrae's new book called I am restored. It's really good. But mm. um, when I'm done with that one, I've got a couple other that he's making me listen to. So Okay, good. Yeah, good. All right. Well, I'm out of here. I'm going to go eat and lift and uh, go see my mom. So oh, well, there has to be a upside of that situation somewhere in there. Yeah, this conversation went from like all the things non mom to I'm going to go see my mom. So all right. <laughs> I think circle. things must have improved. <laughs> right. Kind of. <laughs> checking a box yeah exactly all right Aww, See you well, thank you so much do you all want right. uh people to follow you anywhere on social media what are you thinking me yeah you're the guest the special guest of the hour sure come on y'all down what's do, your y'all just do whatever <laughs> what's your instagram handle tell all um, the people listening i need to change it again but it's just myers 2001 myers 2001 yeah, I need a new handle because that's kind of creativity. <laughs> my 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 practice is actually the name of my um, LLC is Elevate Hope. So, Elevate Hope. Okay. Yes, but um, I'm Myers two thousand one on Instagram, which is totally generic. <laughs> All right, perfect. TJ, I'm that savage or average coaching. That's right. 
Yes. All right. At Underdog Books. See you later, bitches. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>